Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the Inbound Marketing Director at Builder Funnel, and each week we bring you marketing and sales strategies for your home building or remodeling business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is marketing and sales strategies in between job sites. I'm your host, Spencer Powell, and here at Builder Funnel, we help home builders, remodelers, and contractors generate more leads from their own websites and close more sales. And with me today, I have Chip Doyle. And Chip has been in the sales industry for 28 years and training with Sandler since 2000. He's helped hundreds of remodelers all over North America. Chip, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought we'd kick off today with just having you tell our listeners how you got into the world of sales. I to tell you that I had this grand career path all figured out uh, but in all honesty, it was completely by accident. I was uh, designing wiring for General Motors vehicles. I used to be an electrical engineer. And I could kind of see the writing on the wall that Japanese were doing a little bit better than us. And I was getting a little bit uncomfortable about my career aspirations. And this company comes along out of nowhere and says, hey, Chip, you ever thought about sales? And Spencer, to be honest, at first I was kind of almost offended. <laughs> sales, oh my God. You know, because there is, there's a, a social stigma about selling, and there's a lot of people out there that give the, the, the skill a bad name. But after they started talking about the money and the expense account, and actually one of the big, uh, one of the big lures for me was the fact that they were going to offer me a cell phone. I'm dating myself. No way. But anyway, yeah, and I figured, hey, you know, if I can learn to be an electrical engineer, I can learn to be a salesperson. And actually, that was another naive thought. Uh, It actually was quite difficult for me to make that transition. I really struggled in my first year in sales. I am not a natural-born salesperson. Uh, The only reason I've been successful is through training and hard work. So I've learned to have a, a, a deep respect for selling. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know, you you've been with Sandler now for quite some time. You know, those that aren't familiar with the Sandler approach, how would you kind of describe that overall? I like Sandler because being a, you know, an engineer and a sort of a scientifically minded person, Sandler is based in an area of psychology called transactional analysis. It's not some guy that closed the deal once and he says, "Oh yeah, I, this is what I did or I used this script." Where I said these these phrases and it got the prospect to buy. It's actually based in a clinical area of psychology. San, David Sandler, who invented all this stuff, was actually a student of transactional analysis first, and then developed the sales training program second. So there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of technique. Uh, it's important how we speak to people, and we do have we can have subliminal, and I do mean subliminal effects on other people, but we also delve into the area of what the salesperson is thinking about, because uh, Spencer, a lot of people aren't aware of this, but in many cases, the barriers to selling are in the salesperson's head, not the prospects. And uh, for instance, uh, if a salesperson in remodeling thinks that $250,000 is an enormous amount of money, and it may be to that person, they're going to have a really hard time selling $250,000 design-build remodeling projects. Yeah, that makes if sense. A salesperson, yeah, if a salesperson thinks that uh, they would need to think about it for three or four weeks before they make a decision to pull the trigger on a major purchase, 
they're not going to be very good at getting a homeowner to sign a design agreement on the first meeting. So we spend as much time working with a salesperson's head as we do on their techniques. And then the last thing, of course, and, and I do look forward to talking about this with you today, is that we focus on their actions. You know, prospecting is an action. And if the salesperson is just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring, I can assure you they're not going to be as successful as the salesperson who's taking action. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I hear that a lot in sales. you got to get over your own head trash, right? You know, the things that are in, in your head that are maybe creating barriers for you in the sales process for closing those deals. That's exactly. What we call it head trash, exactly. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you mentioned and kind of that was a nice segue into prospecting because that's one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on today was to talk about prospecting because I feel like that is a big challenge area uh, for a lot of remodelers and design build remodelers or even contractors, you know, when leads aren't coming to us, you know, whether that's website or other advertising, you know, that's obviously makes our job easier. But when those, that lead flow, I guess, is slower, you know, we need to take a more proactive prospecting approach. So I guess, where do you start when we start to think about prospecting and going out to find potential business? Well, well, first of all, I, I, I might want to take a slightly divergent view. <laughs> okay, let's do I, it. I, I believe that a good salesperson is prospecting and that the prospecting activities are making them more successful. The less successful salesperson is the one who's relying on the company-generated leads. Close ratio, as you well know, is a function of lead source. And if a salesperson is doing a great job of farming their community and building relationships and getting referrals and meeting all the neighbors of the projects that they're doing, they're going to have a very high closing ratio. If all they're doing are finding folks who, and speaking to folks who found them on the Internet who are also talking to four other contractors, that salesperson's uh, closing ratio is going to be markedly lower. So whenever I train a company, uh, on, on sales, we always include a component around prospecting. We, I like to say that prospecting is like eating, sleeping, and going to the bathroom. <laughs> you always find time for those things every single day. Now, on the other hand, I'm not talking about spending four hours a day. I'm talking about, in some cases, spending nine minutes. A lot of these prospecting activities can be done while the salesperson is actually having conversations with the prospect you know, being curious about the neighbors and whether or not they use, uh, what's that listserv called, Nextdoor? Are you familiar with that, Spencer? Yeah, yeah, we've been starting to look into that a little bit more, a very community-based site. Yeah, yeah. So finding out how to get embedded into the community. I've got one client who, he purchases advertising in the high school yearbook. And Interesting. And it works great for him. There's a lot of little niche things that these uh, contractors can learn to do. And, and become more immersed in their neighborhood, finding out a com about a community newsletter. There's a lot of things that salespeople can do and keep their eyes open for that will help them develop their own base. Of course, as, as, as I'm sure you tell your clients every single day, why not do a better job of marketing to uh, your past clients? Absolutely. You know, if they purchased from you before and they've done a good job, remodeling is kind of like crack. Once you do the first <laughs> Once you do the first project, it makes the rest of your house look like crap, you know? <laughs> so 
the, the reality is, is that if they remodel with you once, they're an outstanding candidate to remodel with you a second time. And as the famous Jay Abraham once said, uh, if he was uh, if he was going to uh, help a company with emergency marketing, the first thing he would do is market to their past customers. Yeah, I think that's definitely an area that gets untapped in a lot of instances because you feel like, yeah, this was a you know a big project. Like you said, maybe it's in in your own head even. And you think, well, why would they want to do another big project? So, yeah, that's that's a great point there. And I guess you mentioned a couple of specific ideas or strategies around getting into a community. You mentioned the yearbook. What are some, I guess, some really good approaches or things that you like to use when you are, you know, say you get a job in a neighborhood that you really want to be in. You say, gosh, if we could just work in this neighborhood, you know, what are some, some good things that salespeople can do? So, that, you know, you bring that, the, the point about the neighborhoods up, and I couldn't agree more. In fact, I live in a neighborhood where, you know, you know the homes are all built in the 70s, and the demographics of the homeowners are such that people can afford to invest a little bit of money fixing up their homes. It's not, a, you know, a crazy expensive neighborhood, but it's not the worst. And there's been a remodeling project going on continuously within a view of my bedroom window for the last five years. <laughs> wow. And yeah. there's always a remodeling project going on on my street. It's just, you know, the homes are that age, and it's just inevitable. Sure. But, Spencer, how many contractors have left a door hanger or put a postcard in the mail or knocked on my door to introduce themselves? Just take a guess. In the last five years, how many? I don't know. I guess I'd probably guess uh, a few, two or three. There- Zero. Really? Wow. It's unbelievable. The, the opportunities are right here in this neighborhood, and yet doing simple things like knocking on the doors to introduce yourself to the neighbor and say, hey, by the way, you know, if you see any of our trucks parked out and that are uh, interfering with your driveway or causing a problem for your kids, here's my card. Please call me. That way you don't want to have to bother your neighbor, and we'll make sure to take care of it. And, oh, by the way, if you wanted to use the waste bin that's going to be out in the driveway next week, let us know and we can arrange to, to have you guys throw some things in there. There's a million ways to make friends with the neighbors just by knocking on the door. Door hangers, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, radius mailers, I'm sure your listeners know what a radius mailer is. Postcards, finding out about, in, in, in a lot of these neighborhoods, they have neighborhood parties. We have a party, a true story, Spencer. We have a party in our neighborhood every summer. We block off one of the little cul-de-sacs, and everybody brings a covered dish. And uh, guess what, the, guess what the, the, the wives are talking about during this summer party? Hmm, might it be their, their remodeling projects? <laughs> their remodelers, their contractors. I wish I had a recorder with me the last, uh, last <laughs> summer because I wanted to prove that this is what homeowners talk about when they get together. <laughs> yeah. um, if I was a contractor, I would have offered to buy a keg of beer for that summer party. I mean, that's cheap, cheap advertisement to meet all the homeowners, all of whom fit the right demographic. There's so many ways if, if the salespeople would just make an effort to, to, to befriend the neighbors. And, and I'm a big fan of, and I tell this to all my clients, please try to find your next project that's within 200 yards of your current project. Stop. <laughs> Stop getting in the truck and taking the porta potty uh, 35 miles away to your second project. 
buying the next one right next door, it probably would reduce your setup cost enormously as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And I like what you said about, you know, it can take nine minutes if you show up and you knock on doors, say hello. And, you know, it's probably a little bit more than that if you want to stop by 10 or 20 houses. But if you kind of just do that each day, I could see how that would be extremely powerful. It's not a big time-consuming effort. It's, this is the, the issue I deal with. It's more about focus and awareness. If the salesperson would just remember and pay attention and focus on these things, they find that they can get these things done in, like, say, nine minutes. There's a funny story. I, was, I had a client who I was begging to knock on the doors of his neighbors, and finally he relented started knocking on a couple of doors, and, and he's walking by this one house, and the resident came out and said, uh, oh, are you the contractor that's working on the house over there? Contractor says, well, as a matter of fact, I am. Is there a reason you're asking? He goes, yeah, I need to talk to you. And the contractor says, oh, uh, what for? He goes, well, I own this house right here. And then see that house down there? Yeah, I own that one. I rent that one out. And then see that house over there? Yeah, I own that one. I rent that one out, too. And he <laughs> needs to get the street house fixed up. That's awesome. Yeah, true story. I was like, you, just, you never know what's right under your nose. It's just a question of getting out there and, and introducing yourself. And, you know, another thing, too, that I emphasize for contractors is, look, it's, it's, homeowners aren't stupid. They know that it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a relationship with a contractor. They're not, giving, they're, they're not talking to you and giving the contractor business as a favor to the contractor. They're, they're doing business with a contractor because they have a problem and they need a trustworthy contractor. A lot of these homeowners are more than happy to, to take your business card and keep your postcard in their kitchen drawer and, and stay in touch. They're, they're, they know they might have home, they might have a problem in their house or they might have a project that needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, and if their neighbor trusts them, then they want to say, yeah, okay, great, I'd like to have that person's contact info for when the, the time is right. Totally agree, and I was thinking about that example you just talked about where you were kind of begging this uh, contractor to go start introducing themselves. I feel like in a lot of cases, either the owner is the primary salesperson or maybe even somebody that was hired and they're maybe not the best personality match for the role or maybe they don't have the training. And you even mentioned when you first got into sales, there were you know, some challenges. What would you say to our listeners that are thinking about this when they maybe feel like they're bugging homeowners by going to knock on their door and interrupt their day? Well, first of all, let me just debunk this thing about personality. There is no right personality for sales. I actually believe that in some cases, introverts make much better salespeople than extroverts. With extroverts, I can't get them to stop talking. Introverts, in some respects, are a little bit easier to train. I've trained accountants and CPAs who are extremely introverted, and they have become referral-generating machines, Spencer. Awesome. So it can, it can be done. It's not about your personality. It really is about the skill sets, and we can talk more about that today. You know, I would just go back to what I said earlier. People know that they would behoove them to have a relationship with a contractor, and, and if you take my neighborhood as, a, as an example, there's only two kinds of homes in this neighborhood, homes that have been remodeled and homes that need to be remodeled. <laughs> and I am sure our, our listeners are working in neighborhoods that they would describe exactly the same way. And if you're not in those neighborhoods, go find them because they exist in every major metro, metropolitan market in the United States. It really is just about 
meeting people, and you don't have to sell. You can just offer the services of your waste bin. You can hand out your card in case the trucks are bothering somebody or if there's some noise or dust or if they need to know about any special needs kids or pets in the, in the neighborhood. It's just, I think of it, change, change your thought about bugging people and think of it as more of a professional courtesy that you're tearing up somebody's home and creating a lot of dust and noise. It would be polite for you to introduce yourself to the folks who possibly could be affected by that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, frame it as, you know, it'd be rude to not let them know and introduce yourself and ask them how you can help make it easier for them as their neighbors going through this process. But yeah. you, you mentioned that there's these neighborhoods in every city, you know, that are probably ripe for lots of remodeling work. What if you don't have a job in one of those neighborhoods? How do you start? How do you get in? How do you get that first one? Because once you got that first one, you know, we've talked about some of these strategies that you can use, but what's maybe a, just a slight variation on that approach to enter a new neighborhood? Well, I think, I mean, this is where you come into play. Once the uh, person's identified their target market, which, by the way, is the most important thing to do, I think then you can devise uh, various strategies, mailers, uh, door hangers. You can find out about the community newsletter and see if you can advertise in the newsletter. Get to meet the realtors. I know that some contractors are realtor-averse, and I understand why, but I also have some contractors that have formed some fantastic relationships with realtors. Typically, they're high-end realtors that sell more expensive homes, and uh, getting to be friends with those realtors is a, a sure way to meet the homeowners in the neighborhood. And of course, you know, the other thing you tell the realtor is you say, look, sometimes we talk to homeowners, and they realize they don't want to spend the money on the remodel. And they don't really love the neighborhood, and their kids don't go to school here anymore, and they really are a good candidate for moving instead of remodeling, and the contractor wants to be able to refer uh, to a realtor. So it can be a uh, mutually beneficial relationship to get to meet those, those realtors in those neighborhoods. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great advice. And jumping back to your approach in stopping by and knocking on doors, do you have a recommendation around, let's say you knock on the door and nobody's home, do you want to try that several times, have a letter and as a backup if you never connect with them? And how many times do you try to connect with them personally before you go the letter approach or the, the door hanger or whatever it is? Two or three. It's just not even really about whether they're there or not. It's reminding them and make it, as you know, it's about branding and letting them know that you're here and making them familiar with your company's name and leaving your business card or a flyer behind on their doorstep. If they answer, great, you can talk to them, but it's still powerful to have some kind of a leave behind or a printed flyer or something like that. I was in this cul-de-sac in a neighborhood previously, Spencer, where all the roofs uh, were getting old, and this roofing company would knock on my door and offer to do these free estimates, and I never answered the door because I was usually on the phone talking to people like you. He just kept knocking on doors. One day I got a phone call from my neighbor. He said, Chip, you want to put on a new roof? And I said, no, why? He says, well, I'm getting estimates, and this company says that we can get a discount if we both do our roofs at the same time. I'm like, holy cow, this is guy's credit. This is a real marketing effort. <laughs> About six months later, I got a, a letter from my insurance company that said because I had a wood shake roof, and my uh, home was classified in a fire zone. I live in California. They were no longer going to cover me unless I changed my roof. <laughs> guess, guess which roofing company I used? 
the persistent one, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. It was these guys were some of the best marketers I'd ever seen. Their salespeople were highly tenacious and I think they did over half of the roofs in my neighborhood. It's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and like you said, you get so many more benefits too when you have that concentration, you know, you're always driving to the same spot and you can kind of set set up shop, so to speak, over there. Exactly. I wanna Take a quick jump back to what you talked about earlier, which was that one of your biggest opportunities is with past customers. And let's say, you know, a contractor or remodeler, they have customers from four years ago, five years ago, and they haven't had a lot of interaction with them since. What are maybe a couple good approaches that they can take to start those conversations up and then also you know, see not only do they have maybe more work they want to do, but maybe some of their neighbors. You don't actually have to be so overt in your attempts to get the business. One of the things that we teach our clients is an acronym called CAPS. Characteristics of your ideal client, the alternatives that those clients might be pursuing besides you, the pains and problems that your ideal clients have that you're good at fixing, and then the symptoms of some visible symptoms that indicate someone might be a good client for your company. When you become familiar with those four things as they relate to your company, what you do is you just start asking people if they know anyone that have any of those attributes. You don't have to say, hey, we're looking for business. You don't have to say, would you please introduce me? You don't have to say, do you want us to do any more work on your house? You just tell people, you know, this is what we're noticing and these are some of the characteristics and a lot of the homeowners are having this issue. And what happens is the homeowner puts two and two together and they go, oh, my God, we have that. You know, maybe we should talk to you. Maybe why don't we set up an appointment? Or, you know, I should introduce you to my neighbor. It really is a skill to be able to do this in a non-salesy way. You don't want to make the phone call sound like you're trying to sell or prospect. It needs to be a friendly call. This goes back to some of the subliminal and and, uh, deeper psychological techniques that I was hinting at at the beginning of our call. There are ways to do these things without sounding like a salesperson. Yeah, that's awesome. I I really like that approach. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about prospecting here. And I want to ask you, you know, what what have I not asked you that you want, you know, about prospecting that you want to share today? I think the, the first thing is to recognize that prospecting, good prospectors trump slick-talking salespeople every single time. If, if I had to pick, if I was going to hire somebody, I would hire someone that was a hard worker and willing to prospect over someone who was a supposedly good salesperson with a high closing ratio. And that's coming from a sales trainer who teaches people how to conduct sales calls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's pretty humbling, but it's a fact. And so anytime I work with a client, I would say, yeah, we can work on your sales skills, and, and we will, but, but let's work on prospecting. Let's start building that awareness. Let's teach your, your salespeople what we're looking for. One of the things that drives me nuts is when a salesperson says to a prospect or a customer, hey, do you know anyone who needs our service? Well, well that's ridiculous. I mean, it's hard enough for the salesperson to figure out who needs his or her services. Why would you ask a poor homeowner that question? What we need to do is ask our homeowners if they know anybody that fit our caps. And if you want to spend some time educating prospects or customers on things, let's teach them about what we're looking for 
and maybe they can figure out if they know some of those folks. But I, I would say that big takeaway for the listeners today is that prospecting uh, beats out sales talkers all day long. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. It kind of goes back to that whole idea of just the right type of action and the right type of activity will lead generally to the results that you want. Exactly. What are one or two things that our listeners can do? You know, right now, if they're, they're listening to this episode, they're probably driving around. What can they do today or tomorrow to start putting a more active prospecting strategy in place? Just those, because I find that getting started is often a huge barrier. We listen to content like this, we read a blog, we read a book, and we go, yeah, that's a great idea, and then nothing happens. So what are some easy ways to get going? I would say the first thing to get started is, and it won't take long, you probably could do it while you're listening to this discussion. Identify that neighborhood that you want to own, that neighborhood where you want to be the go-to contractor. That's the first step, is to identify your target and and where you want to be. And then, after you've decided, oh my God, I would love to be, you know, the the go-to contractor in the blah-bitty-blah neighborhood, then you need to sit down and kind of formulate a plan. What are some things that I can do? And it's not, again, it's not about time. It should not be time-consuming. This should be a long, drawn-out, concerted effort that you commit to for the entire year. And that would be knocking on a couple of doors. It might be dropping off a couple of door hangers. It might be going in and meeting the homeowners association uh, office people. It could be finding out who the local schools are and whether they're accepting advertisements in their high school yearbook. It would be finding out when they they have neighborhood meetings about uh, things in the neighborhood, if if it's that kind of neighborhood, or or possibly offering to write articles for their newsletter. There's just a million things that you can do to to get to know these neighborhoods, but the secret is you're not going to launch some big time-consuming effort and try to do it all at once. It's going to be a little bit of work over a long period of time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great advice, and to your credit, you know, we always want to start with like you said, customer research and who your target is. And once you've figured out the neighborhood, then you can start figuring out what those little strategies are. So if the neighborhood doesn't have a newsletter, that option is eliminated. But if they have community events, like I live in a community where they do, especially in the spring and summer, you know, almost every week on a Saturday, there's some sort of music festival or concert or get together. And, you know, if you start participating in those, you become top of mind for that community where you want to be doing all that work. Exactly. Design, build, remodeling, and construction in general are challenging industries. It is not easy to run a successful company. But one thing that they do have going for them is this idea that their clients are clustered together. Your customers, it's not a coincidence that my neighborhood has all these remodeling projects going on at the same time. I think that so many remodelers just lose sight of that fact. They, they go to the, I mean, I, I believe me, I'm all for the internet and search engine optimization. And when you're a brand new business, or if your business has hit a, a bump in the road, you better amp those things up. Social media and all of that. But come on, let's, let's also recognize that our next client could be within a stone's throw, a project we're working on right now. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. You know, all of your marketing efforts tend to support 
you know, each other because you maybe knock on a door and no, nobody's there and you leave a letter and then the person goes to your website. But the idea is that it is very community-based. You can, you can be right there in that community and embed yourself. And that in-person touch and, and connection is, is very, very powerful. So that's super cool. I think that's great advice for, for our listeners to get started. You're right. They, all the activities fit together. For instance, I would recommend that all remodeling contractors have some kind of a newsletter. Not, not a salesy newsletter, but some kind of an informational newsletter that people are interested in reading. I remember in my old neighborhood, I, there was a newsletter that came out that listed the property value, how much every home uh, was selling for, and how much it was listed for. And that, that newsletter came out once a quarter. And I remember as soon as it came in the mail, boom, I opened it. I was always very interested to know how much, you know, because my home was my biggest asset. I'm very interested to know how much the homes in my neighborhood are selling for. I can still remember that guy's name. If you can get that kind of a relationship with your readers so that they're looking forward to reading what you're sending, that is marketing gold. So one of the things that you want to do is collect email addresses from the people that you meet. Offer some information that they might be interested in reading. When you're knocking on doors and meeting people, ask them if they'd like to receive your newsletter. When you're attending community events, find out if they'd like to receive their newsletter. They don't have to be ready to remodel today to be a good prospect to do drip marketing on. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's a, a segue into a whole another big topic that we could cover on another day, which is you know that idea of content marketing or inbound marketing and basically trying to become a trusted advisor and build credibility for your company, but it's very much a long-term strategy where you're being helpful. And when those those right fits are ready, you know, you've been there kind of every step of the way. So maybe we'll have to tackle that on another day. I have one last question, but first I want to make sure that our listeners can connect with you. And so where can they find you and connect with you online? Well, my email address is chipd at sandler.com, C-H-I-P-D at sandler.com. And if folks would like to receive my newsletter, I, I eat my own dog food. <laughs> awesome. Uh, if folks would like to receive my newsletter, it contains valuable sales tips. In fact, I've got a newsletter going out today. That's fine. Or they can just type in chipped oil. I, have, I think I'm the most famous chipped oil in the world, so <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find online. That's awesome. Great. Well, I'm sure you'll be you'll be getting a few emails, and you know, as we wrap for today, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, it doesn't necessarily have to be around prospecting. But what would you say? I would say that uh, selling, and I, I learned this the hard way. Selling is a lot more about knowing what you're looking for. It's about being a detective and finding out who the right prospects are. The economy is going pretty good right now. Finding new business is as easy as it's been for quite some time. So the salesperson's responsibility is shifting from just signing up anybody to signing up the right client. It's very important that the contractor picks the right client to work with. I think everybody who listens has had that horror story of the bad client who doesn't pay their bills on time and always complains and, and the punch list never ends. It's the salesperson's duty now to be more clear about what they're looking for and to be asking a lot more questions. And, and forget the 
selling and the persuading, you're, you're not going to persuade a homeowner to spend $250,000. You can only find out if they should spend $250,000 with your company. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great advice. And Chip, it was awesome having you on the show today. I learned a lot. I know our, our listeners learned a lot as well. So thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chip. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.